was a, a tribe of people that lived in tents. All of a sudden the Sabaeans come and they kill all of Job's servants and steal all of his animals. And it says Satan incited them to do that. You know the fella in, uh, was it Philadelphia over the weekend that, that said Allah Akbar and shot his whole gun into the police car? Did you all see that on the news? What incited a Philadelphia man to get a gun hail a policeman that was doing his own business and not even bothering anybody, flag the policeman down, pull the gun out, and just stand there unloading it through the window into the policeman. Who would prompt someone to do that? Well, it says in the Bible, in John chapter 10, that Satan came to kill and to steal and to destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life overflowing. Who prompts people to kill, steal, and destroy? The God of this world. The prince of the power of the air. This is a very fascinating study to understand about Satan. Okay, uh, but the scriptures go on to talk about Satan's defeat. Uh, Satan's defeat is this. Uh, you can see in Revelation 12, 7 through 9. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, but the dragon and his angels did not prevail. So the great dragon was cast out to the earth and his angels with him. Right now, Satan's angels can just do anything they want. They can just fly all around the place. Uh, they actually appear before the throne of God. A lot of people, it's kind of eerie. You think heaven is just all harps and clouds. No. The demons, Satan himself, is allowed to come at times in front of the throne. Do you know what he does? It's one of his names. Satan is the accuser of the saints. Did you know when we do something we're not supposed to do? And, and Satan, he's not omnipresent nor omniscient, but when there's a key believer doing something they're not supposed to do, he actually comes and accuses. He says, hey. I don't think he goes, hey, to God, but you know what I mean. It's the metaphor of pointing out, saying, it's one of yours, isn't it? Look what they're doing. That's his ministry. He's the accuser of the saints. Now there's a great um, uh, hymn. Let's see. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, what does that hymn say? Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. But Satan's job is accusing us, and he, he does it all the time. Uh, on page um, 80, uh, there's something for you to think about, the bottom of 79 and 80. Um, in fact, I'll back up. In the whole universe, there's only God and his creation. In the whole universe, there's only God and his creation. And God's described that. The Bible clearly tells us the entire universe is involved in what's happening on earth because after God finishes the tribulation of the millennium, he destroys the whole universe. You know, a lot of people think that there's probably another universe and maybe Jesus is going to go save those people out there. That's not how the Bible postures it. The Bible says this is all there is. We are it. In fact, in Genesis, in my small group, we're studying the 52 greatest chapters in the Bible. And one of the greatest chapters in the Bible is the opening chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1. And did you know what God says? He made the earth before he made the stars. Did you know that? You do, but you haven't thought about what that means. The earth is older than the galaxies and stars according to God. And because of that, it's significant to know that God says this is the center of everything. In fact, when God talks about the rest of the universe, which he makes on day four, 
it says that he unfurled or unrolled or stretched out the stars and the galaxies from the perspective of the earth. So God created the earth first, formed it, and then it says from the earth, it's almost like, you know, unroll. In fact, in Isaiah, it actually says that he unrolled the heavens like a tent. Now, I have eight children. We used to go camping because we couldn't afford hotels. And, you know, you buy a tent, and it's in a little tiny tube about this big, you know. But the first time you make the tent, it gets this big. But I was determined to get it back in that bag. And so I had the kids stand on it, and, we, and I tightly, you know, rolled it, and we shoved it in that bag. And when I pulled it out the next time, all I had to do is just hold one end of it, and it went, because it was so tightly coiled. That's how God describes the creation of the universe. So that solves the problem of the distance of the light. If there are stars out there that are 12, 14 billion light years away, how did the light get here? There's two ways to think about it. Unbelieving of the Bible scientists say that the light started at those stars and it's been coming toward us for 12 or 14 billion light years. Now they weren't around and they don't even know what happened. But the person who did it and was there said, actually, the light hasn't been coming from the stars to us. Actually, I threw the stars from right here and unfurled them into the distance. So actually, God says the universe is recent. And of course, as creationists, we know that. But why did I say all that? Because just on the bottom of 79, if that's all there is, God, the human, and angels, what are UFOs? Have you ever thought about that? Why is it increasing? Why is it right now the biggest franchises in movies are about superheroes and these extraordinary out-of-this-earth powers? You know, the, the X, whatever that is, and the, all the comic book guys, Thor, and, and I forget all of them, you know, the Captain, whatever, and, and uh, the green one, and all those. Why, why is that so fascinating to people? Well, look at this. The answer is simple. Earth dwellers are being prepared for the beast the ultimate extraterrestrial being who will be released from the pit. Where's the Antichrist come from? He is a product of Satan. And he will be the ultimate Superman uh, of all. Um, so page 80, page 81, uh, it says the, the saints overcome. Um, that's in chapter 12, verses uh, 10 to 12 on page 81. How do they overcome? Notice what it says. Four things. The word of their testimony. The name of Jesus. Have you ever faced off with a demon? It's not pleasant, but missionaries, maybe some of you are missionary kids. Um, I used to run. Yeah, there we got some missionary kids. Oh, I know you. Ah, I've been to your home. I know your family. Wow, what a blessing. I thought that smile I recognized. Um, but uh, when I used to be the assistant dean of men at Bob Jones University, and we housed children from all over the world because Bob Jones was so protective that a lot of internationals wanted their kids there because they had fences and walls and guards and it would be protected. And those kids weren't even Christians. And they just sent them to Bob Jones University. And one of them was one of our ambassador staff from Nepal. And that boy had grown up with his parents in Nepal and had gotten totally involved in the occult, the worship of Satan that's in Nepal, and all the spirits and all the stuff that they do in Tibet and Nepal. And when he came to Bob Jones, he used to have the most horrible nightmares. In fact, we didn't know what to do with him because he would go screaming down the halls carrying scissors, I mean metal scissors, 
going like this, and he saw things, and he was attacking them, running up and down the hallways of the university dorms. And so they asked me to deal with him, you know, because I was, I was over the boys. And so I sat with him, and I says, tell me a little bit about yourself. And he says, I grew up in Nepal, and he says, and I did a lot of stuff my parents didn't know about. And he says, and he says I did some really bad things. And he says, do you want to see the, some of the things? And he had pictures of the, some of the horrible things he did uh, that were really bad pictures. And they were in his wallet. He, I mean, he pulled those things out so fast and showed them to me. I said, did you know Satan is attracted to trophies of things he's done? And, and kind of like flies go to garbage, demons go to any uh, concentration of evil because they're like magnetized toward it. They love evil. They feast on filth. I said, number one, you need to have a testimony. Found out he wasn't a Christian. That's number one. You need to say the name of Jesus. Did you know he couldn't? I said, say the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, oh, yeah. He, he didn't even want to say. And, and when he would be in his... It's really interesting. I mean, demonology is horrible. But it's almost like someone else was looking at you out his eyes. It's one of the most eerie things. If you've ever watched Independence Day, that has a similar scene in it. And this, this demon stuff, to us, is so remote. It's just in the movies. But when you're on the front lines in, outside the U.S. and growing now that the world is coming to the U.S., we are face-to-face with evil. Now, we're not supposed to be expert exorcists, but what we are supposed to know is we overcome through the word of our testimony. Do you remember when Paul was confronted with a demonized girl? And some false sorcerer, you know, conjurers, uh, the seven sons of Siva confronted the same one. Do you remember what happened? She looked at those seven men and she said, Jesus I know and Paul I know. Who are you? And and one little girl beat up seven men and, and totally bruised them and they ran away. That's how strong demons are. The demon could look at Paul and know that he was the real thing because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and demons can see the spirit world. Um, I was a pastor of a historic church in Rhode Island many years ago. Does this class really only go till 8.20? And so I was a pastor of that historic 165-year-old church. And I went down the basement and I found this, this beautiful 100-and-some-year-old lamp. And I took it out of the basement of the parsonage to have it restored at a Rhode Island antique restoration place. And when I walked in, the man said that ran the store, he looked at me and said, I know who you are. And I thought, that's curious. You know, it was in Cranston, and I was in North Kingstown. I'd never seen the guy in my life, and this is before Facebook and everything else. There's no way he knew me. He said, I know who you are, and I know where that lamp has been. And he said, just leave it, and I'll fix it. I thought, that was curious. I asked the elders about it, and they said, the man who runs that store is also the warlock over the witchcraft people. And they were always killing cats and sacrificing them, tipping over gravestones in the cemeteries, doing their thing of occultic worship. And I thought, isn't that fascinating that the demon that lived inside of that man knew the church parsonage and knew that lamp that I found way in the back. 
Uh, and I can tell you many other stories, only tell you this, that it's real. Uh, which brings us to the last point, which is the conflict of the ages. And you can read that chart. And there's two groups, Satan and the rebels on page 82, and God and the saints. Which now brings us, for the last seven minutes, to the next chapter, be on page 84. And this is about the Antichrist. And I'm going to go through this real quickly. But the emphasis of chapter 13 is the Antichrist is one who mimics Jesus Christ. There's two ways to take anti, against or in place of. I really believe that the Antichrist is primarily in place of. It's one of the saddest things in the world that you get the real God in human flesh coming down, healing and doing miracles, and he was rejected and crucified, and you get Satan coming down, faking all that, and he's the whole world follows him. That's one of the saddest things in the Bible. The real Christ rejected. The fake Christ accepted. Real quickly, uh, here's an advertisement. If you like online, sermon audio, uh, we have a sermon audio site. It's called Calvary Bible. Uh, has everything I'm saying here. There's the home site of our ministry, dtbm.org. They have uh, all kinds of stuff there. Here is something interesting. Our Facebook account, I put a daily devotional on there. And, uh, and if you just come find me on Facebook, I'm Pastor John Barnett. Um, you can get a daily uh, devotional if you like Facebook stuff. On Vimeo, um, all those Q&As I was telling you about are on Vimeo, and they're also right here on YouTube, and it's called DTBM Online Training. And uh, there's one I just did last Sunday night, Does the Bible Condone Slavery? Boy, that was a... You know, we have these two microphones, and the whole evening service looks just about like this. Two microphones, and people come up and ask questions. And we are right by Western Michigan, and they have a lot of really good questions, the students do. And they say, you know, we've been reading the Bible, and there's all that stuff about slaves in the Bible. Does the Bible condone slavery? And so these are little, uh, that was, I don't know how many minutes, I can't see the signature there, but, but I do video question and answer. Um, this is another site we have on Facebook. It's called Biblical Counseling Discipleship. That's our largest site. Um, and it's where I train biblical counselors and that's what I do uh, overseas especially. But let's talk about the Antichrist, starting on uh, page um, 84. He's the ultimate Superman. Uh, that's what the, the beast is. The ultimate Superman. And he is the coming world leader, known as the Antichrist. But behind him is the real power, the god of this world, the dragon, old Lucifer. Imagine what it would be like for a perfect leader to step forward, a man who appears seemingly to come out of nowhere... Almost a person from the past who rolls into one all the great leaders of the world. Now, why do I say that? Because I think Satan can't understand God's timetable because he's the devil. And I believe Satan has always had his man he was priming to be the Antichrist. Nero, Alexander the Great, uh, you know, the, the uh, Caesars, and then you get into the Khans, you know, Kubla and Genghis and all those. And then you get into Napoleon and even Hitler. And it's like Satan always had this super powerful conqueror guy, but then God didn't let it happen. You know, there's no reason that we're not all German today. Hitler should have won. He really should have. The, the Germans were way ahead of us technologically. They had rockets, they had jets, they had everything. But God didn't let them win because they were trying to exterminate his people. And so uh, the, the ultimate Superman is the devil. Page 85, 
Jesus warned there's going to be such a day of deception, so intoxicating without his intervention, even Christians would believe it. It actually says that in Matthew 24. That if it were possible to confuse us, we would get confused and deceived. Um, on page 86, uh, what you have there is uh, a description of the person of the Antichrist, uh, 86, 87, and onward. And basically, he is super intelligent. He'll be the smartest man that ever lived. And because Satan is the smartest being ever created, and he's filling him, he'll be a super communicator. Um, did you know Hitler is such an example of the of the devil? Hitler could speak, and like in the 30s in Munich, he spoke to a hundred thousand young people, and it says they stood at attention for hours while he spoke, and at the end, they all raised their hand and pledged allegiance to him, and and historians say they were mesmerized. Did you know Hitler was probably one of the most powerful communicators? And if you know anything about him, he was just a weasel. I mean, he was a misfit in every way. But when he surrendered to, to the devil, he had almost superhuman communications and planning skills. You know what that tells me? If the, the devil can, the spirit of the devil can fill a real loser, a dropout, I mean, he, he was really not, if you read his life before, you know, he took over the, the Nazi party, he was really nothing. If God can take him and almost conquer the world, can you imagine what the Holy Spirit can do with any one of us? And a lot of people say, oh, I wish that I had, you know, the zeal of Jack Wurtzen or the knowledge, you know, or the, the doctrine of, of Luther or something. Did you know God designed us so that there's something only we can do. And then he offers to us the power of his spirit. And he says, no good thing will I withhold from you. I will, I will do exceeding abundantly above you could ever think. If you just surrender to me. So that's the person of the Antichrist. You can read about him. Um, he offers in chapter 13 false authority. They get this mark. By the way, what's the mark? Have you thought about that? I thought about that because I used to live in Oklahoma where they all were hiring lawyers so they couldn't get social security numbers for their children because they thought the social security number was the mark of the beast. No, it says in the Bible that it's a mark without which you can't buy or sell. What it is is it's attached to digital money. Uh-oh, we're all attached to digital money. Did you know right now there really isn't, there isn't enough paper money for the amount of money there is just in America. Most money is digital. It's just whipped around between your PayPal account and, you know, your ATM machine, and they'll cuff out a couple of 20s. No, it's, it's, uh, it's tied to digital money. But what it is is it's us humans pledging allegiance to him so that our digital money works. But we'll talk about that. Page 89, uh, he's tied in the Bible to the prince that shall come. Uh, it says in Revelation 6, he's a peacemaker on page 90. Um, he is a persecutor and prisoner. And all this leads to what Jesus said. And this is what I want you to, to most of all remember. In Matthew 24, Jesus said the most prevailing characteristic of the end times is deception. What's deception? When people can't tell the real from the false. Guess where we've gotten to in America? 
almost biblical illiteracy. People do not know the Bible anymore because it's not taught in the schools. Most kids are in sports and they don't go to Sunday school. Most churches are shortening the services because people won't attend because they last too long. And it used to be that lay people knew the Bible better than most pastors know them today. In fact, I teach in seminary. It's hard to get guys preparing for the ministry to even read the Bible anymore. They've got software like you do. What do you need to read it for? I'll just look it up. And see, they don't realize that God says, you'll seek me and find me only when you seek for me with what? All. With my whole heart, David said, I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. There is something to be said about God seeing whether we have our entire longing after him. Uh, For example, I have a computer. I mean, I have... I have every Apple product that I can find and buy, you know, from the 6 this to the, uh, I, what's the new iPad? The iPad Pro, the big one. I have them all. But you know what? I can do anything with those things. I can shop. I can draw. I can cruise the Internet. I can look at pictures of my family. But there's only one thing I can do with this. Can you guys, can you figure out what this thing is I'm holding? What is it? If I have this and it's like this, do you think I'm shopping on Amazon? Am I posting on Facebook? Am I tweeting? No, I am in the Word. That's why I read this and then I type what I find into this. You all need to be very careful because the same phone you read your Bible on, a little screen, you know, a little uh, notification will come across and you'll, you'll go, oh, wait a minute, I've got to go check that. Oh, hi. Oh, go back to the Bible. Oh, another one came by. So I... I refuse for my devotions to read it on a distraction-filled medium, electronic, and read here. Why? Because, did you know, when you mark your Bible and you look at it and you have all those different colors and marks and notes and everything else, when you see them, it in, the way God wired our brains, and by the way, the New York Times says this, and they don't even believe the Bible, They said that this generation, you're losing a whole sector of your brain because you do not actually use your hands and move your hands writing. In fact, cursive writing isn't even taught anymore. And there's a whole motor skill that attaches to neurological synaptic connections in your brain that's only attached to actually not doing this, but actually forcing your hand to write. You say, I'm not into handwriting, I'm into Bible marking. And so I would be very careful that you know the Bible because confusing times are coming. And here's the last point. Satan was the original rebel. Watch out for rebellion. Uh, On page um, 92, Satan looks for rebels. Demons controlled Hitler. Hitler was like Satan, a destroyer. Beware of giving place to the devil. That line on page 93 is very important. It says in Ephesians 4 that there are many back doors. Uh, if we were living in the jungle surrounded by malaria with mosquitoes and, and the, that door there had a screen on it and all the mosquitoes were on the other side, the malaria-bearing ones, looking in at us and just taking those little, little stingers and ready to get us on their noses, would you ever leave the screen door open if you didn't want to get malaria? No, but Ephesians 4 says we leave the door open for the devil. And there's a lot of ways you ought to read Ephesians 4. Okay, um, 
uh, one more reason, uh, the, the signature of God there, I actually made into a little card that fits in your pocket. It has the doctrine of regeneration, which is on page 93, of conversion, of repentance, of adoption, sanctification, justification, on page 94. And it's downloadable. It's in the album section. Ah, the only protection from Satan is having God's signature on your life. And I hope that you do. Let's bow for a word of prayer, and I'll let you guys go do whatever you do at 820. Father in heaven, I thank you for the truth of your word. I pray you'd protect us from deception. And I pray that more and more of these young people would today present themselves back to you as a living sacrifice and tomorrow and make it a habit for the rest of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Quiz tomorrow. Be ready. See ya.